Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. My name's Tom Marvin, Senior Technical Editor here at BikeRadar.com and at MBUK Magazine as well. Joining me in the podcast studio today, we have our road senior technical editor. It's Warren Ruster. How are you getting on, Was? Very good, thank you. Excellent. And our senior tech writer at bikeradar.com, Simon Von Bromley. How are you doing, Simon? Really good, thanks, Tom. Lovely Happy to be days. here with you. Good, good. What have you been doing recently, Simon? Uh, I've well, the kind of the most cycling that I've been doing is is dragging my child up a really steep hill to his, his new preschool. Great. So that's fun because um, he's just getting heavier and heavier <laughs> as he grows up. Every day he gets heavier, and I get weaker as I get older. Yeah. Good. Do you need an e-bike now? I probably do need an e-bike, yeah, but I just don't want to commit to the the work of having to write about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's too, a real chore. I'm too cheap to pay for one. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> How about you, Warren? What are you riding at the moment? Uh, I've got a few bits on the go at the minute. I've just finished a bunch of uh, really nice endurance bikes. Endurance bikes are back mm-hmm. and better than ever. Great. Um, and I've now I've switched over. I've got um, a new endurance slash gravel bike from Merida, um, a brand new brand, which uh, comes out of, of posh bikes, uh, okay, who yeah. like super high end. Um, uh, it's a collaboration between those guys and Chris Hoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a new gravel bike. I'll be cool. talking a lot about that soon. It's very nice. Chris King's new wheel set. Um, been riding around on that a lot. So mm-hmm. that's like a fusion fiber. So it's not a carbon fiber oh, wheel yeah, set. Oh yeah, it's the they're recyclable one. Recyclable right? yeah. and greener to make and all yeah. sorts of other things. Um, they're quite interesting too. Um, aside from that, uh, not that much else, really. Sounds very little. There's a few mountain bike wheels with that um, fusion fiber stuff. I think Forge and Bond and Revel are both doing wheels. Um, not had a chance to try them yet because they're uh, largely available in the US and I haven't been able to get them in the UK yet. My only dealings with posh bikes was a tune Sperto. Back when I started uh, at Radar and CP and all that, about 10 years ago, which is a really cool, like, laser-guided, stem-centering thing. I still use mine. Oh, I loved it, but <laughs> I sent it back. I was good. Yeah, I still use mine. <laughs> Not very useful on a mountain bike these days with real short stems, but on a road bike. Oh. When you wear, you run a 150 mil or a 140, <laughs> is it? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> all right, in the, this episode of the podcast, it's one of our tech Q&As that we should do more often because uh, everyone seems to like them, but... They're, uh, they're not quite as frequently as they should be. But uh, we've got five questions uh, that we're going to rattle through today. Um, so we'll, we'll kick off um, straight from the top. Uh, it says, hey, Bike Radar, uh, I'm just about to buy a new race bike and have a couple of options on the cards. Following your Bike of the Year test, I've been looking at the Ribble Ultra SL and the 3T Strada ICR. Pricing looks good, and I have dealers local to me. There are a couple of other bikes, too, which I'm considering. 
However, I wanted to get your take on the integrated bars. The Ribble's a pretty wild-looking one-piece bar and stem combo thing, while the 3T has a more traditional stem and bar setup. I'm normal-shaped, so can I trust the designers to have made the integrated bars the right shape for me? Um, I'll start with you, Simon, because I think these were bikes that you tested for Bike of the Year. Yeah, that's right. I, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting question and uh, a good one, and I think that kind of point at the end, like, can I trust the designers to have made the integrated bars the right shape for me? I mean, I'm probably the answer is no. They've not made it. Okay. They've not made it for you. Um, so the Ribble Ultra SLR has the, um, the kind of wild aero cockpit, and, and the one I tested had the most extreme version of the handlebar with a kind of 33 centimeter hood whips, 37 centimeter wide at the drops and a 140 mil effective stem length. Wow, okay. So that's effectively made for pro riders. Uh-huh. There are slightly less extreme options, but there are only two other options. So basically you can have a slightly wider bar of a shorter stem, and then again, a, an even kind of slightly wider bar again. But it's like, I think it's like 38, 42, and maybe 36, 40, but with you know 90 or 80 mil stem, and then a maybe a 110 or a 120 mil mm-hmm. stem. So basically you don't get many options. Right. So that's fine if those options suit you and you're happy with what you've got, but you need to be very clear about what you're signing up for because, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a one-piece bar, full carbon, no adjustability. You know, I, I really, I've got quite a long upper body and I really like that like long reach and the narrow bar because I'm a you know, long and narrow person. But yeah, if, if you're a kind of broader rider or you know it's just or it's just not what you like it doesn't that doesn't give the handling characteristics you like it probably won't be the right bike for you whereas the 3T Strada ICR you know it does have integrated cable routing so it's it's very nice and clean and aerodynamic but because it uses a two piece setup mm-hmm. you know you can effectively get whatever you want now you are constrained i believe to using 3T's stem okay but it's available in practically every length that you'd want mm-hmm. and then it doesn't restrict your kind of choices on 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 bar width so mm-hmm. If you're, you know, for me, you know, I'm very picky about my cockpits. For example, I run a 120 stem with a 36 centimeter bar on my giant TCR. You know, I, I'm very keen on getting exactly the right cockpit, and and that would always be a key buying mm-hmm. decision for me. But you know, people have different opinions. But yeah, especially with integrated bars, I would say, you know, just just be very be very sure you're getting what you want. And if you're not, you know, there are plenty of other good bikes available. Yeah. So uh, James, who sent it in, lives in Lancashire. So I'm, I'm guessing he is probably quite close to a, a ribble shop. So maybe worth him going along and having a feel and see how they how they fare. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, if if talk talk to them about what your options are. Like if you take home a bike, you know, you think, well, I'm going to be racing on it. And he says he's looking to buy a new new race bike. You know, he might think, well, I want the most extreme, the fastest mm-hmm. one. You know, ha- have a chat to them about like. Yeah, if if it turns out I don't like it, well, what what can I do? Like, is is it possible to swap this out later on after yeah. I've tried it, or you know, what kind of after port after sales support mm-hmm. will they give you? And that was going to be my next question: was if you're buying a bike which has an integrated bar and stem, you know, there's quite a few out. I mean, I had a quick trawl through Bike Radar, actually, and a lot of high end road bikes have these. You know, when you go and buy it from a shop, will they give you the option of multiple widths and lengths and stuff, or is it generally a one size they assume fits all and they generally get it wrong? It really depends on the brand. Okay, who's yeah. the best and who's the worst? I would say it's almost the more you spend, the, better, the more options you'll get. Okay, like Colnago with the new C sixty eight. You know, I think there's there's nigh on like thirty five bar combination, huh. bar and stem combinations that they do. It's a huge amount. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know. Some of the other brands will basically give you one or two. And if you've got a particularly nice dealer, you might go, if you're, you know, like Simon who prefers a narrower bar, they might ship one off from a smaller size, and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. I think 
for the most part, if you don't really, you know, if you don't step out of the norms or you're not oddly shaped, mm-hmm. um, the the size selection is pretty much the same as what you get on a two piece setup. So, providing right. you know you haven't your last bite, you didn't buy it and go, I've got to change the bar, I've got to change the stem, you're probably going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the bike builder, you know, um, sort of options, you know, the likes of Ribble, um, Oro, or Bayer. You know anything where you can kind of on, online select and be delivered to your local dealer sort of thing. They tend to have many more options on bars than okay. than just your standard off the peg. But I think you know if you went down the line of say Trek P1 or you know Specialized S Works etc. and you went to a specialized a specialized store to get your tarmac, which does have an integrated bar. Mm-hmm. Once they've done a bike fit on you. Mm-hmm. It would be remiss of them to fit the wrong bar if they've got your measurements. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but I do think you know um, we're going to see more and more integration and more and more one-piece cockpit setups, just because it's a it's a very clean, smooth way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I don't mind them, providing that the bike it comes you know the bike comes where it's it actually because I think Canyon do a nice job of actually having a you know one-piece bar that is adjustable okay. on, on width. Yeah, you know, on a, like a slider thing. I've you know I I got on with that bar really well. Yeah. But it, I think my first choice would always be to go with, you know, the it's FSA's ACR. It doesn't matter what brand says, you know, Dead or have an option of it. It's 3T have an option of it. Everybody has an option of it, but it always is the same routine. Right. Okay, so yeah. all those stems are compatible with each other. And I think you get 90% of what you get from an integrated mm-hmm. setup with a really good, you know, aero wing bar and one of the ACR type yeah, stems. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're getting 90% of the aerodynamic gain, mm-hmm. um, but more adaptability and adjustability this episode is brought to you by state farm you might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong but these are the words you really need to remember like a good neighbor state farm is there they've got options to fit your unique insurance needs meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need have coverage options to protect the things you value most file a claim right on the state farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay. So when, when you tested those two bikes, Owen, did did the integrated bar stem combo or the separate swing the scores a little bit, or were you pretty benign about it, neither here nor there? Um, so so actually for me, you know, it, it, it's kind of, I really liked the Ultra SLR because mm-hmm. it felt kind of like it was such a, a kind of niche product. It was almost like a kind of, it had almost been designed for the new category of like road bike time trials that now exist. Yeah. And it was intentionally targeting that really specific niche. You know, it's not an all-rounder and it's not trying mm-hmm. to be. And that's, you know, that's fine, but you, but you need to be aware of that. Whereas the 3T is a kind of different bike. It's a kind of aero bike that's trying to be comfortable mm-hmm. and has big tire clearances and therefore the kind of, you know, it has a round stem and a slightly like, a kind of ergonomic bar, which I felt was a slight, slightly odd choice when 3T makes a very nice aero road handlebar. Right, so okay. so it kind of, it yeah, it I definitely took it into consideration and the fact that the, you know, the 3T does have that adjustable cockpit is is a plus point for me for sure you know like as warren says canyon you know one of the ways they got around that non-adjustability of their integrated bars is by making the you know the kind of ends of the handlebar adjustable which is quite nice um so so there are other ways around it other mm-hmm. than just having a traditional two-piece setup but but yeah like it, it is definitely something to consider because you know, once you've got the frame uh, with a lot of these ones you're you know, you're often locked into mm. this system you know was mentioned 
um, you know, FSA's ACR system. And it's a really, really good system. But if your bike hasn't been around that, you, it's not something you can go and get afterwards mm -hmm. and think, oh, you know, I'm going to swap out my headset system to FSS ACR because your fork might not have been designed around it, for example. Right. Okay, so maybe that conversation that we just had about the two the differences in the type of bike, whether it's a super specialisty time trialy road bike versus is actually what James needs to be looking out for rather than the handlebars. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, and and once you've kind of like is is this something you're buying that you just want to race on it? And you want to be the fastest person mm. in the race and you want people to turn up. When you turn up to the race, people are going to be like, oh, that, mm -hmm. that looks like a pretty fast bike. You mm. know, this guy must be pretty good. Or do you want a kind of a more general aero bike that can can do a bit of everything and is mm -hmm. a bit, bit easier to live with on those days when you're not racing? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, you know, just to add to that, and it, Simon might not agree with me. Um, on that kind of super fast aero road bike with a narrow, narrow cockpit, narrow long cockpit setup, I think, you know, that's something that's come from basically the track, you know, where you're dealing with surfaces that are, they couldn't be any smoother. Mm. And if you think a lot of the pros, when they're riding in the big tours and the grand tours, they're riding on roads that have been meticulously maintained mm -hmm. because the pros are riding them. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're racing on the poor state of what our roads are now, mm -hmm. I would... I would be reluctant to use that kind of super narrow short setup just because of the increase in steering torque. And if you're dealing with potholes and ruts and bumps and uneven surfaces, I just don't think you'll be as fast because you'll be spending so much time trying to keep the bike under control. It's mm. something I've found with some of the super fast um, racing gravel bikes with narrow bars. Yeah. You know, if you're on that kind of super open, plain, smooth gravel, mm -hmm. they're the fastest thing you'll ever ride. But you take them anywhere near ditches roots and, and things and they are just such a handful mm -hmm. yeah i don't necessarily disagree with that it definitely depends where depends where you're riding it you know you can put wider tires on the ribble but obviously it kind of negates the point of having mm -hmm. an aero bike you know you take the, the zip 404 wheel set that came on my test bike and you stick a set of 32 mil tires on it kind of calms it down but mm -hmm. you're not buying a bike like that to calm it down yeah. so if you, but if you do you know, circuit races on roads that are well paved, mm -hmm. and you generally stick to nice roads. Then, you know, it, yeah, it, it it would be really good for that. And in you know, just like I wouldn't take my time trial bike on a on a rough back road, <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily make the time trial bike a bad bike per yeah. se. You just need it's, to know. Yeah, it's a it's a tool for it. You for just a need to know why. Purpose, yeah. yeah, exactly why you're buying it. And yeah, okay, all right. Well, we'll move on. But another relatively racy question from Jack in Phoenix. Uh, would the bike rider team bother with latex inner tubes for general riding or are they race day only items? Warren? No. No. I wouldn't use them for general riding. Right. Uh, you know, I, I I understand the science behind it. I understand the measurement behind it. I, under, I understand the, the increase in speed behind it. But any time I've ever had to live with the latex mm -hmm. tubes, I've just found them okay. impossibly irritating. Yeah. I mean, I don't know because I haven't really, you know, I've been a whole heart convert to tubeless really. So mm. I'm not fay with if latex inner tubes have improved particularly mm -hmm. or whether the you know new super light like tpu tubes are better mm -hmm. or more easy to live with i'm sure simon will have much many opinions on that because he's he's investigated it a lot more than i have mm -hmm. simon yeah i mean you know for for like you know for the type of riding i talked about earlier about taking my son to preschool like absolutely not like <laughs> because you know if you're doing anything where you're kind of riding around town or it's commuting you know general day-to-day -day riding like they're way too expensive mm -hmm. to risk puncturing okay um but you know for a road bike if i wasn't racing and i could you know 
but I still liked, I still wanted to go fast and I cared about how my road bike felt, but I couldn't be bothered with tubeless. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think, I think latex inner tubes are a good upgrade on your standard kind of butyl inner tubes. TPU tubes, was mentioned, are also a good upgrade. If mm-hmm. you care about weight, TPU inner tubes are very, very light. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I've personally always had really good luck with latex inner tubes and I haven't really found them a hassle, mm-hmm. but you know, obviously everyone's mileage may vary. They are slightly trickier to in, to install because they have because they're very flexible. They have a, when you put some air in them to put them in the tire, mm-hmm. they have a habit of getting bigger than a normal butyl uh, okay. inner yeah. tube and there it's quite easy to then pinch it under yeah. the tire. You just have to be a bit careful there. I know people who have tried them and have like, you know, when you kind of, you go around the edge of the tire and you try and check that there's nothing caught underneath the, mm. the tire. People have done that and they and they just, they go to pump up their tire, something, a tiny bit of the tube has been caught, bang, they've wasted 15 quid. Ooh, yeah. You know, so <laughs> okay. there, is a li- there is a little bit of that with it that, you know, they they do require a little bit more care when you're installing them. You you might want to put a bit of talcum powder on them because that stops them sticking to the tube. Mm. So that's what I found. You have to, you know, you have to use loads of powder to get them in there. They do lose air. Yeah, they def- you have to pump them up every single day. That oh. is true. But I, for me, that's not a problem because, yeah. you know, but but obviously if it is a problem for you, then yeah. I think, I think Jack needs to be wary. <laughs> my my maintenance phobic <laughs> brain says, Jack, stay away. Stay but, away. you know, but when they're in your bike, they do... They change the sound that your wheels yeah. make as you roll along the road. And it's a really nice hum, and they are measurably faster. Okay. So if you if you want a kind of nice ride feel with a nice a nice hum, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a hollow like a hollow drum sound. Oh, I know the sound you mean. Yeah, yeah I've heard that a few times. Um, you sometimes get it with good tubeless tires, actually. To be okay. fair, and um, and yeah, and you're interested mm. in a kind of you know a, a cheap speed upgrade. And they are yeah. they are worthwhile from that point of view, but yeah, not for not for commuting. Right. I always associate that noise with deep carbon uh, rims. That's a question for later on, though, because that is. <laughs> but first, Julie uh, in Warwick says, "I'm looking to get into road riding properly. I've got a hybrid uh, bike with narrow tires, but I'm assuming that a proper road bike is going to be faster, more comfortable bike to go on longer rides. I'd like to join a local club too, but they're all on proper road bikes. Not the tallest at five foot six, and can probably stretch to a thousand to twelve hundred pounds. Can you suggest something? Yeah. So short female rider, smallish budget, wants to get into road riding. Where would you go first? Was I mean, I'd say for a proper a proper drop bar road bike around around a thousand pounds. You, you're going to be looking at aluminium. Mm-hmm. There might be some carbon options out there. I did a little bit of digging around, um, and one I particularly found, and I have I have tested this in one of its other guys, is um, Vitus Xenium Carbon mm-hmm. C. They they do one that um, is eleven nine nine. Okay, um, and it's a really capable carbon frame. Comes with a micro shift um, Centos group set, which isn't a particularly well known group set, but but works well enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a size medium, it comes out about just over nine kilos so okay. it's actually pretty light for that for that sort of money um vitas do have an extra small small mm-hmm. um, in their range so um plenty of size options there and then i'd also be looking at say giants contend range mm-hmm. really good solid aluminium bikes um the sl disc models are great as a kind of pure road bike um at the sort of top end of your budget uh and then they also do the ar range which is like they're all road sort of which will handle roads nice and easily mm-hmm. but a bit of light ground a bit more comfortable too. a bit more comfortable um and then the standard content range which is their rim brake offerings um are way under the budget of that and they're currently quite heavily discounted by giant okay so some bargains to be had well i would say if you're looking for buy a bike right now it's actually a really good time to buy mm-hmm. there's 
lots and lots of sales out there. There's lots of bikes being discounted as everybody's trying to make way for stock for 2024 models. Mm -hmm. And that's coming off the back of, you know, the pandemic and, and kind of supply chain issues. And now lots of those bikes that were ordered back then have now arrived. Mm -hmm. They're going into stores and everybody's overstocked. So it's a it's a good time to buy a cheap bike. Okay. Great. Simon, any thoughts? Yeah, I think Woz's recommendation is kind of spot on, really. Like the, the kind of Giant Contend, for example, is a really good one. You might be able to get a Cannondale Cad Optimo for that kind of money. Yeah, yeah. That's a nice That's a nice mm -hmm. bike. I think that won our Bike of the Year this year for, for budget bikes. So, you know, they do a good range of sizes as well, I think down to the smaller size. So I think the Cannondale one would be quite nice. Yeah, I wouldn't be afraid of rim brakes and I certainly wouldn't be afraid of an aluminium frame at that price point. Okay. You, you're going to have to make a lot of compromises, I think, to get a, a good carbon frame. Um, at that price point, you know, the Vetus is, you know, Vetus is a respectable brand. That one's probably good. But, you know, if you see it elsewhere and you don't recognize the brand name, I'd probably stick with something more recognizable. And is Julie right to assume that, you know, jumping onto a proper road bike is going to be an upgrade over her hybrid? Yeah, just, you know, solely because the the kind of front end setup is going to be more, you know, longer, narrower, most mm -hmm. likely, and therefore you're going to be faster. You know, there's an argument to make that, you, you know, you, if you were mechanically minded, you could buy all the parts and just put a set of drop bars okay. on your hybrid bike. But, you know, that's not a beginner friendly option. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it won't necessarily be more comfortable per se over a hybrid, but the increase in speed will mean you'll go further for the same amount of fatigue. Right. Okay, okay. So yeah, a good upgrade and there's some good options there. Of course, um, head to bikeradio.com for a load of reviews. As always, for everything. <laughs> it's set all it, on there. Set it as your homepage. <laughs> um, all right. Um, before we move on to the next question, just a reminder that if you do have your own questions, um, pop them to podcast at bikeradio.com. That's questions for tech Q&As in the future, mountain bike and road, but also any suggestions or comments or feedback. Uh, we love hearing from you. All right, the next question from Jackie in Singapore. For your average Sunday club rider, how deep is too deep on a wheel set? I'll admit that I'm a bit of a magpie, but I always think carbon road bikes look better with aero wheels. Am I going to regret getting a set of 60mm deep hoops? Uh, Warren, what do you reckon? I can see where he's coming from. It looks uh, great. Uh, it I, looks I'm, great. I'm exactly the same. Looks looks great. Um, I think 60 is probably... Pushing it. Probably pushing it, but probably also the limit, depending on what wheels you get. Okay. I think mean, because, you know, there, there are always exceptions that prove the rule. It used to be anything around 60, the minute you got a crosswind or a sidewind, you, mm. you were just all over the place. But recently, I mean, I've tried a few um, around that sort of depth. Um, and I would say Zip 404, uh, even more so Zip 454. That's a very, very expensive wheel. Hunt Aerodynamicist, I thought was really good in, in crosswinds for the depth. Mm -hmm. um, and even the Envy Foundation 60s that I tried probably a couple of years ago were not bad but there's the caveat of that is oh they're not bad in a crosswind not right. that they're really <laughs> they're good, good in crosswinds i mean even to the point i mean i've got a i've got a set of uh zip 858s on right. on my tarmac and i've been out in those in some really truly horrendous conditions mm -hmm. and gone well these i'm not in a ditch okay um, but it doesn't necessarily mean they were the optimum choice for that yeah. day they most certainly weren't but they don't look cool when you stop mm -hmm. just looking at your bike um, but I would, I would, I would err on on um, around forty for, for kind of general general use. Yeah. I mean, aerodynamic wheels have got so much better. Mm -hmm. You know, the the advances are, are so good. I mean, I can remember, you know, like 15, 15 years ago, riding around on in you know, about fifty five mil deep aero wheels and literally changing lanes when you mm -hmm. when you rode past an open gate. Mm -hmm. You know, being on the other side of the road before you even knew what you were doing because they they were so slap sided and they were so 
literally awful. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've improved across the board. But yeah, I would say for, for general riding, I would go for something around 40 max because you're going to have the benefits that are significantly lighter too. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I mean, I've ridden in Singapore and it can be fairly blustery on the, some of those coastal roads. Okay. So yeah, I would be. Wary of going too deep. I would be wary of going too deep. Yeah. Simon, what are your thoughts on the whole aero wheel debate? Are you a big fan of getting the aerodynamic benefits, or would you rather save a bit of weight and uh, get up to speed faster? Uh, so I, I think yeah, a bit like what I love a deep section wheel set, mm. and when I get a, like a proper aero bike, you know, when I tested the Cannondale System Six, it came with their not sixty four wheel set on it, okay. which was just so rapid, and it's really really fun on the right day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same with the Ribble Ultra SLR that had the Zip four hundred four. An incredibly uh, fun wheel set because they just they just sail in in the right weather. But I think if you're only going to have one wheel set, it, it, there are going to be days when it is not as fun. And for example, like you know, this this is my parents live in the Lake District, for example. And would I want to take a sixty mil deep wheel set up to the Lake District? You know, not really because of the weight, probably not. But it's more that when I'm coming off the the other side of that really steep climb and it's really exposed mm-hmm. that wind is going to you know even if it's not necessarily you know dangerous anymore like was said they used to be they they have improved measurably mm-hmm. and, I, and i'm a very lightweight guy i weigh under 65 kilos i would happily go out in most weathers with 60 mil deep deep rims and i know i would be fine but to take them to somewhere where it's really windy like an alpine pass or something like that mm-hmm. It, you just might get caught out or you're just not going to have fun. You're going to be on the brakes all the time because you're just worried about that, mm-hmm. that sudden gust. And, it, you know, and obviously, you know, if, if, if that's what's happening, you're going to be slower overall. Mm-hmm. So I would, yeah, if, you, if you're only going to, you know, ideally, you'd, if you've got loads of money, you can have a wheel set for every type of conditions, sure. you know, and you can have the ultra lightweight wheel set for your climbing days. You can have the deep ones for your time trial days, you know, blah, 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 blah. That's just not the way most people, mm-hmm. most people work. And so I think, yeah, likewise, I'd probably... I would err on the side of something between from 40 to 50 mils for all all around riding, but it is going to come down to a degree of, of kind of personal preference. You know, how confident are you handling your bike? You know, mm-hmm. I know our former former colleague, now dearly departed, Matthew Loveridge, mm-hmm. he's not dead, he's just moved on, so <laughs> he's just dead to us. Dead but, to us. <laughs> you know, he just doesn't like deep section wheels. Uh-huh. You know, he's a, he's a pretty slight guy. Yeah. And he, he just doesn't like the way they handle, doesn't like the way they feel. He prefers a shallower rim. Uh, whereas for me, I, you know, my daily driver wheels are a set of like 54 mil deep hunt wheels. And mm-hmm. and, I, and I, you know, go out, every, I never change them, I love them. Um, mm-hmm. So it's going to kind of depend where you ride, how hilly the terrain is, how windy it is, what's your kind of confidence level with them. I don't necessarily think you reg- regret getting 60 mil deep rims. They do look incredible. Mm. And if... You know, if you if you just do flat rides in kind of you know non windy places, they'll be really good. And actually, like super deep rims can be really fast on windy days if you're confident handling your bike because uh-huh. you get those wide jaw angles that push you along. Okay. <laughs> you know, but if you don't enjoy that sensation, you might not. You might regret it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll ask one potentially slightly silly question. You know, as a you know, as more of a mountain bike side of things, does the shape and the design of the frame have any impact on what depth wheels you might want to run? Or is it kind of whatever it is, make no effect? So, so wheels do interact with frames, like 100%, that is, that is a thing, but there's no way of you knowing. Unless, okay. and, you know, with the Cannondale, the, those, those wheels were designed with, with, the frame. with the frame. And so that's a, that's a good, you know, if you buy Bontrager wheels, they probably have been modelled in, mm. a, in a Trek Madone. 
But if you say you've but, got a super aero frame, yeah, and then you go and put like some real shallow wheels on it, is that have you just wasted your entire? No, frame? you've not. You've not wasted it, uh, and you know it's it's not wasted it, it's just you know it, it's a kind of accumulation of things if you're going to buy if you have got a really aero frame you, you know there's no putting on a set of really shallow wheels to save 200 grams i mean like what's the point mm. but at the same time you know if you've got a really like if you've got a specialized afos you're not going to transform it into a system 6 just by putting on a set of zip 858s it, right. you know like it, these things are accumulative um that yeah i i it is definitely a thing that certain uh, wheels have been optimized for certain frame sets. But unless you're buying one from, you know, like specialized Roval wheels we made for specialized bike frames, mm-hmm. it, it's really hard to know if you're just buying a set of hunts, you know, which wheels they've tested in. And, you you know, you could probably go look at their pictures and figure out, well, they seem to do their aero testing in a Canyon Road. If I've got a Canyon Road, maybe I should buy it. But Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, there's not really any way of knowing that. I don't think it's a silly question at all, Tom. I think that's, oh. a, a, that's a, a very astute question. I appreciate your uh, your kindness. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll move on to our final question then. Uh, and this one comes without a name. Um, you can check how worn your chain is with a chain checker, but is there an equivalent uh, for a cassette? Or how do you know if your cassette is worn out? Was How, how are you going to do it? Well... There isn't really a cassette checker on the market. I mean, there used to be. I mean, and you're still available. There's a roll-off, um, like classic cassette checker, okay, which yep. sort of looks a bit like a chain whip, and you kind of align it up. But it only works between cogs between 12 and 21. Right. And modern cassettes go lower than that and much, much higher than that. So I would say most times you can see if a cassette is worn by uh, like almost a visual check. And lots of people suggest what you do is you buy a new chain if your chain's worn out, and if you put it on and, and it skips or mm-hmm. jumps when you push hard on the pedals you need a new cassette but i think that's a bit of a weird one because you've just bought a chain and then you've got home put it on and gone oh i need a cassette as well and you probably need new chain rings at that point and you probably need new chain rings as well so you need to go back so there, there is a kind of a, 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 an icc visual way of checking and you get um a braddle so braddle. Like a braddle it's like a screwdriver but got a pointy end okay. i think americans call it a pick oh right yeah. okay yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah a screwdriver that's just like, sure. like a, a sta- you know stabby yeah a stabby thing a gat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a shiv. Yeah, a shiv. Oh, God. <laughs> and basically, just go on your cassette, like look at the teeth and and look where the the rollers on your chain actually sit. So it's that top edge of the teeth. And just slide the, the braddle across. And if it catches at either end, that means there's the, it's bird, that metal has a bird. And if it's catching your the tip of your braddle, mm-hmm. it's going to catch the chain. And therefore, it's worn. Okay. You know, and then you can... You know, way back you used to, you, you know, I'd, I'd be doing this on every single cog. Mm. And then you'd find, oh, the cog, you know, my 16 is completely worn out with mm. the rest aren't too bad. And then take take your cassette off, take it apart, take that one out, buy a new one. Try and buy single cogs now is just almost impossible. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, you, you, you know, you probably are going to need a new. Yeah. But that's why I'd say that's the way to check it. It's just, okay. yeah. Stabby thing, slide it across the teeth. If it catches, it if it catches at either end, your your teeth are probably worn. Okay, and then on to chain rings because uh, we might as well with our last couple of minutes. Simon, how do you work out if your chain rings are worn out? I mean, yeah, you just kind of visual, you can eyeball it, and if they kind of look a bit shark's toothy, mm-hmm. that's a bad sign. You, you, if you've got a, a chain that isn't worn. You know, but if your chain rings are worn, then if you haven't changed the chain, then your chain is also definitely 100% okay. worn. But you can kind of pull it off the mm-hmm. the chain pull ring. Pull off the teeth. Yeah, pull it off the teeth uh, at the kind of 
you know, three o'clock. Mm-hmm. And if it comes off quite a lot, that's mm-hmm. that's not a good sign uh, generally because you're not getting good teeth engagement at that point. You know, the, the, the chain is being allowed to come forward with the rollers. So I, I think when we're talking about drivetrain where you always just want to start with the chain and don't let the chain, if you, you, know, if you have one of those little drop-in checkers that you know give you 0.5 a millimeter mm. 0.75 you know if you let your chain go past 0.75 you are going to be wearing out your uh cassette and your chain rings mm-hmm. which so, are much more expensive which are replace. much much more expensive so i would you know, you know obviously be very you know if you want to if you want if you want your drivetrain parts to last longer clean them lubricate them well clean them again lubricate them well etc cetera, etc cetera. but just keep an eye on, t- on top of that chain and and as you say you know, uh, they are much cheaper than all the rest of the parts, especially if you're a mountain biker. Car, I can't yeah. believe how much mountain bikes cassettes cost. Oh, they're expensive, aren't they? <laughs> it's absolutely outrageous. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely outrageous. So um, always replace that chain. If you're not sure, replace the chain first. Mm-hmm. And then see how it goes. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Okay, guys. Well, thanks ever so much for your input. Uh, as expert as it always is uh, from the two of you. Um, as I said before, if you've got any questions for a future tech Q&A or feedback and comments, all that sort of stuff, don't forget our email address is podcast at bikegrill.com. So thanks again, Simon. And thank you, Warren. And thank you for listening. We'll be back in a few days' time. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 